Hello, and welcome to this Board Game Life episode number 21, Africana. This is the show where we talk about the fantastic board game hobby of ours through the views and outlooks of two fantastic gamers. I am one of those gamers, and my name is Rob, and with me today, I got my good buddy, Jeff. Hello, everyone. Are we really just talking about Africana this whole show? I, I'm sure a good chunk of it will be Africana. So maybe we should call it Africana and stuff. Africana and stuff. Okay. <laughs> I'm good with three hours just on Africana. All right. I don't know about you. Let's do it. I'll start with reading the rule book. Okay. Yeah. Read the rule book. Don't forget the credits. Just, just so we're complete. And we'll and we'll read uh, you know the English one then the German one. No, you'll have to do the German one. I'll butcher it like I did the Dominare. Yeah. Dominare. There you go. See, you have to do all the foreign stuff. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So moving on then to our TBGL gold medal board game winner of the week. Only one guess what that is. Uh, let me guess. Is it a continent name? Close. With an A. Yes, you're very warm. <laughs> or with an A. Uh. And the continent is very warm. Yes. Uh, so I'll have to guess Africana. You are correct. Yay. So this is a game I don't know why we haven't talked about sooner since I've played it some 10 times now for uh for some time it's been on uh, where what what website was it? oh it's on it's a Michael Shocked game right and it's actually on his website which I didn't even well, I knew about but I never really had interest in playing stuff there and so play. for those not knowing Michael Shocked you know he does Colorado Zularetto Valdora yeah, so I I tried it on the website and I kind of immediately liked it quite a bit and played it. I might have played it about a half dozen or so times on the website, but I really didn't want to talk much about it until I played the actual real board game, which took quite some time to actually get published by Z-Man Games and put out in the U.S. and arrive at my door. And that was really odd too. Where I remember when the game came out, and I was really looking forward to it. It just you know, like you said, it took forever. And then when it did come out, it kind of slipped under the radar. You, you really didn't hear much about it. It was just kind of like. True, true. You know, uh, buzz. And so, I mean, one of the reasons why I didn't want to mention it is because I had seen, I had some concerns in playing it online that I, where I thought that the, uh, the, the implementation as it was, was making certain things easier that might be become frustrating or annoying with a physical version uh, and, and sort of make it not worth worth it. 
because there's so many things, you know, when you're playing online or iOS, you know, it's taking care of the cards, it's setting up things, it's specific to Africana, it's highlighting the destinations of where you need to go, which kind of makes it a lot easier. Geography, you think of Ticket to Ride, right? right. I mean, it's a lot easier playing on the iOS versions or PC versions because you can visually see how to connect the routes a lot simpler than when you got to look at all your destination cards and go, well, yeah, I can kind of, instead of going direct from New York to LA, I, I, cause I now visually see Chicago and these other things right in there. There's a more natural line across them all. That's really no effort to see online versus the board. So, and you're not hunting around for weird named places in the European version or, uh, Asian version, if, if you're not familiar with the geography. So, so the, that, that was kind of amongst my reasons for concern, but of course, happy to say I played the physical version and I did not have a problem. The people I played with did not have problems at all with keeping track of any of that stuff without the little tricks of the PC stuff. So, so it's really been a game I've enjoyed quite a bit. Now you've gotten to play it recently, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I played it uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, just got another play in today. And, and how did that go over? Uh, it was really, really fun. I, I actually played it with my uh, with my beautiful wife, Wendy. You know, it was uh, it was her first game, so I was kind of teaching it to her. You know, she picked it up real easy, and we had a great time. It played in less than an hour, approximately, with with two people. It, it, it was a lot of fun. I can definitely see the Ticket to Ride references to it. Yeah, and so it, it, to say it's like Ticket to Ride, it's kind of a like the weight of it is like Ticket to Ride. I mean, the gameplay is very much not like Ticket to Ride. It, when when I think of Ticket to Ride in this game, I just think of multiple destinations on a map connected by lines. Yeah. And yeah. use cards. Right. And and like I said, kind of the, the uh, sort of the appeal to it. So I think if you hate Ticket to Ride, there's unless the pickup and deliver and the fact that it's set in Africa or something like that appeals... I'm not so sure the game's going to be for you, but if you're the kind of person that loves Ticket to Ride, sees the positive parts of it, then Africana, I would say, was would be a must-have. I, I actually, I'm going to go a little bit out on a limb and say it's a better game than Ticket to Ride. I was going to add that for the people that don't like Ticket to Ride, they might actually enjoy this one because it's not as... Grueling. It depends on your reason. I, I, I think... If you don't like Ticket to Ride because it's too light and simple and silly and you don't see that there's actual strategy to it, which I'm I'm in the camp that'll I mean cuz you, you one only needs to go online and 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 get, you know, creamed 50 times in a row to realize that there are people that are very good at the game and it is possible to overcome any exactly. luck aspect. So that said though, I mean, here I'll just get right to it. The you know, this ending up as much a review of Ticket to Ride. So, uh, the, the basic complaints about the game for me, Ticket to Ride, that is real quick, just to contrast it with Africana. Okay. Is blocking in Ticket to Ride could be an element of the game, but no one likes when you play with that, right? I mean, you know, if you're playing in person and you block someone, like the room falls silent and <laughs> like yeah. people come over from other tables. He did what? He blocked you. He has no reason to play there between those two cities, and he played there anyway just to screw what a you over. Jerk. What is going on? Like you cannot. You're not. That's not nice, dude. 
It just, and you're playing online. And if you do, I mean, my, this happened to my wife once because she wasn't used to that. You know, everyone we would ever play with would kind of, you know, it would occasionally come up and, you know, maybe because somebody kind of needed that route and there was a choice between two. So they'd pick one that was probably, you know, something you might have needed, but you could kind of defend it. And she was playing one online game on the iPad and somebody just, you know, just wasn't even on that part of the map and they just put something right down on one of those like only links just to block her. And so she committed the whole rest of the game just to blocking them every place they could, you know, without caring for winning. And like, I think everybody goes through that the first time with that game in particular. And then you kind of move past it and realize, well, some people are going to play that way and some won't. But that's what I like about Africana because Africana is so much more direct confrontation with those things, but yet in a way that nobody really gets angry so the issue with Ticket to Ride is because you're placing your own trains, you have your own routes. Well, in Africana, all the routes are shared routes. There's five expeditions at any one time that are started, and none of them are specific to you. Everybody can go on those same expeditions. So and you can have multiple people. Multiple people? Yeah, you can have what do you mean? two people go after the same expedition. Oh, that, that's that's what I was saying. So, in fact, more. So, right? Yeah, as, as long as you have an open counter, one of those little discs, you can throw yes. it on there. So you can have four right. people so you, going after the same expedition. Right. You you only have a nut. You can't go after all of them. I think you have four uh, right. counters. And so you can't go after all five. But each person could be going after four, which is going to be a, a tremendous amount of overlap. And only the first person that gets to the destination actually scores the uh, points to it or whatever, whatever the, you know, the ultimate prize is. Although everyone that starts it gets a little bonus, so it's not a, a complete waste to do that. Usually either coins or a card. Right. And in the same way that you're trying to, like in Ticket to Ride, you're trying to find optimizations of the route between, you know, taking multiple destination tickets. In this game, you're trying to optimize your ability to start expeditions, finish expeditions, and otherwise chain that all into one big, uh, you know, array of of turns. And that's what's kind of... I guess brilliant of the about the game versus Ticket to Ride is just because that works so much better and there is that player interaction and screwage, if you will, but nobody really takes too much offense to it. I mean, you kind of go, ah, you know, yeah, and Ticket to darn it, but you don't get like flaming angry because it's it's happening constantly, uh, every single turn. And Ticket to Ride also those goals that the people are shooting for, you know, the the routes from city to city, they're all hidden. True. So yeah, my other my other complaint was going to be. Uh, which is what came up with Urbania or Urbania when we were talking about it uh, a couple of shows back is Ticket to Ride has that element where you draw the destination tickets and they're already completed or whatever the case might be. And so that's not going to happen in Africana because of the way the game's set up. There is not really anything where you're going to draw one and be like, oh, okay, I've already got that done. I mean, it, by nature of that, it's sort of a pick up and deliver. You have to get to the starting point and then start the expedition and then move to the destination point. So occasionally one will come up that ge- geographically kind of fits in well with where else you have to go or where you are currently, but that kind of evens out over the game in my opinion. So, so the thing is with, with the, the game itself, uh, it's very, very straightforward as far as the gameplay in terms of on your turn, you either draw these travel cards and the, and the travel cards are basically how you move around. So there'll be different colored cards, five colors, it is, and uh, every city has two different colors or symbols at the city. So you can move to that city with only one of the two, which is actually a funny thing, but a couple 
people have actually played this wrong and thought you needed both of the colors, but you only need one of the two. And then that's what what's interesting right there, because you could have four colored cards and a certain path you could play with one sequence, or you could play that a different sequence, or maybe move a different direction to try to get further. And that's kind of neat to see how that works. Then there's also these assistant cards. And what happens is an assistant card, when you get one and you start with a wild card, which is actually any color you want, as you get these cards, they're like a card that you never discard. So think about it in Ticket to Ride terms of when you play that blue down, you know, it's done. It's out of your hand. But this would be one where you get to keep it every single turn forever for the rest of the game. And it helps you and it hurts you actually at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You take negative points the more of these you take. But it almost builds like a little engine where because drawing cards is your whole turn. So at a certain point, you and you only draw two of them. So at a certain point, if you have these assistant cards, you may not even have to draw cards anymore. You might just be able to move around on the board, which is a, another gameplay option. And uh, and you're not losing every other turn or every third turn or a couple of turns to draw these cards. So that's a trade-off in points. Exactly. Uh, buying adventure cards. Now, this is where the Valdora thing comes in. So, you know, check back previous episodes, quite a few back. I mentioned Valdora is not a game that I'm overly fond of. One interesting thing that keeps being said about Africana is that this is a simplified version of Valdora. I don't see that at all. I mean, I, I didn't like Valdora precisely because it was so simple. To, to me, I mean, maybe rules-wise, this might be less, but the depth of play is far, far deeper and interesting for I me in Africana. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and so simpler is because there's, there's, there's two books in the game. Uh, and and you you can draw cards and you, there's a flip mechanic so the first flip is free and you pay money to do additional flips, but it doesn't matter where you're at. If you're in the north north of the equator, you uh, interact with the north book, and if you're south of the equator, you interact with the south book. And then generally, of course, the north ones send you to the south, and the south ones send you to the north. But in Valdora, you were kind of moving to these places just to use the books, and this just works so much better. Yeah, I guess that part of it's simpler. But I call it streamlined. It it was it was needless and tedious the way it was in Valdora. So I, I very much enjoy the improvement here, and with the way the book mechanics here, I, I almost to an extent it, it completely eliminates the need to ever even look at Valdora. And I mean, this is to, the system perfected. And to clarify that book mechanic a little bit, uh, you get two little pieces of wood that are kind of they have a little riser in the middle and you wind up putting cards on either side of that riser. So you basically flip cards from side to side and uh, it's, it's kind of a neat mechanic. That's something yeah. that so they pioneered. Those, that as, those assistant cards are mixed in with adventure cards, which are the, the adventure cards are kind of the standard collect different uh, sequences for uh, victory points at the end of the game. At the end of the game, you're going to score points for all the uh, completed expeditions that you run. And each of those has a point value on the card. Right. And then uh, each adventure card with an artifact is uh, worth the victory points printed on it. Uh, But additionally, then you gain for collections. So for the two identical was six, three is 12. Every two different is two and every four different are 10. Uh, But you can only make one collection out of each artifact. And then you get the negative points for the... Uh, assistant uh, adventures and, and so forth. There's some extra points for uh, leftover money and, and travel cards and such. But basically, there's uh, that's a neat sort of tension point too between do you take 
because the uh, the uh, uh, assistant cards are mixed in with those artifact cards. So if you're flipping through the book to try to find assistance, then you're bypassing artifacts, and you know, but you're kind of building the engine to do that later. Versus also with the artifacts, you could go. Is it easier to get different ones than find all the matching ones? Probably typically, but past a certain point, you might want to try to go deep within one. So looking at that. And then also just that there is a, a timing element on those expeditions running out where one, there's even a strategy where you just kind of blow through that all. And so people that are kind of going for the artifacts don't have time to complete all their sets because you've kind of run out the clock. Right. Uh, and maybe you could do that if you had a lot of assistance or maybe you couldn't. I just think the game, the game has a lot of different strategies that you could uh, pursue. And at the same time, like it's a game, basically I don't win. <laughs> so, which is amazing that I can, I can talk you so don't highly win. about it. No, I'm awful at this, this game. I, so I, I, I like I said, I, I've probably played it like six times, six or seven times online and then, um, quite, quite a few times on the physical copy and I've won one game i think it was an online game and that's it i mean my wife has beaten me i've lost pretty much all of the games but every every game i've lost i kind of looked at and i realized you know what the other player did that was better that did win or you know where i was uh, you know maybe i was trying to run out the clock and it didn't really work out for me because of this or you know i tried to collect a whole bunch of um, the same one but i spent too much money to do it you know the, the funny thing about the book is there is a little bit of a memory element to it because as people are flipping it, if you pay attention, then you'll have at least a vague idea of, okay, there was some assistance, maybe the one I'm looking for, or uh, yeah, I saw a couple of the this pottery or whatever it is that went by, and so um, now I know there's two of them there. So when I'm in the south, south and I see one there, I can go, okay, well, I could probably get three because I know where the other two are, and I know how much it's going to cost me to get them, and stuff like that, so... Um, you know, so that's that's kind of neat without being, you know, I don't like memory elements in games where it's any kind of a, a focus of the game. But really, it's just moving around in the game for a pickup and deliver game, which is another type of game I typically don't like. Uh, it's just, I, I don't know that it's ever felt more satisfying than in a game like this one, just because of the way that, uh, you know, when you start an expedition, one of the things you sometimes get is a bonus card draw. And sometimes you'll actually gain that assistance. So there's instances that your hand limit, you know, is relatively small, but you'll move a few, you'll start an expedition. Now you get a, an extra card. You've got the wild card. Now you've earned an assistant and you can kind of chain things together where you've just moved, you know, something crazy like nine spaces where you should never normally be able to move more than a couple. And there's just something really neat to how that plays out then, you know, and then uh, you know, then then your opponent who's less familiar with the game goes like, wait, wait, what? How did you do that? I I get to draw two cards and that's it. And, you know, um, some people do wind up lucking out a little bit with the game because I know one thing that was oh, sure. happening with, uh, with my particular game today was, you know, I would finish an adventure and then we put the new adventure card down and hey, it's on the you know it's on that city that I'm already at. Yeah, or you really just need a purple card and you don't draw it. But there are there are some other rules buried in there where you can actually change the color of cards. And, you know, even uh, assistant cards and such. Uh, although I, I've not really done that because right. uh, a lot of times I forget about that myself. But there there are other little tricks to the game um, that that kind of produce some neat options. And so typically. 
I've not really found too many instances where I felt like I was consistently kind of screwed over or didn't get to do what I wanted. But yeah, like any game with the card draws and and such, there there may be times where it feels that way. But but overall, I mean, especially just even again thinking about this versus say Ticket to Ride or, or you know and um, Take Noku, all those sort of games that are a little bit similar in weight and feel. I this is still to me more satisfying um slightly at least slightly than those and so certainly i think on par could be you know if, if i were picking you know sdj winners or nominees or something it would be on that list I, I think it really is that good i mean i think it is the kind of game that if those if those the games i listed are in your collection stuff like that kingdom builder you know all the, those other kind of lighter weight um family games that still appeal to gamers then you ha- you basically have to get this game. Something like a nine for me, but, but which is only a nine because I I still haven't I reserve tens for games that I've just you know played lots and lots and lots. So so this this may become a ten for me. And if I see this game nominated next year for the Spiel des yeah, Jahres, I called it, I, I, I called be, it first. I would definitely be pleased. I would say it's deserved. I mean, it, you know, 60-minute time length. Well, oh, here's the other thing, too. I forgot to mention this. So, I, I, obviously, I've played, when I was playing online, I played with lots of different player counts. And then I've, I've again, got less physical plays in because it's newer. But, but for me, looking at all the different plays, I didn't really experience a player count where I felt the game was lacking. Um, I thought I thought it was good at two. I thought it was good at three. I thought it was good at four. I mean, it wasn't one of those where it's like it's really meant for four, but you can kind of play with two or three or vice versa. It was just equally enjoyable at, at all player counts. Excellent. And one other thing to add too is that I tend to be or I tend to have a little bit of difficulty with uh, red green in a lot of games because I'm colorblind. Red green colorblind. And the colors that they use here for the cards are, I mean, they're out there they're not your normal red green blue etc they're what are they magenta and it's not right. non-standard yeah, colors they're, they're, so i was they're non-standard colors i was really concerned about them and you know how it would fare with that but the way that michael designed the game with the symbols on the cards i mean it's it's fantastic it's easy to play i really don't yeah, even I, focus the, on the colors the inserts great you know i thought the rule book was was thorough uh, you know, the, the cover art is, I guess, is the same adventures from Valdora. Uh, but, you know, and again, just for, for those that don't go back and, and listen to the Valdora review, I gave that game something, oh, here it is, a 3.25, just for comparison purposes. So if this is just a sequel or just a, somehow a dumbed down version of that, which it's, a, it's not even close to remotely accurate to me. Um, we're talking about a, a game that I'm, I'm talking about, you know, 9.5 or 10, possibly minimum nine rating versus one that I gave a 3.25 for. So hopefully that tells you just how much better I think Africana is book mechanic, pick up and deliver, uh, interesting card play, some tension points, uh, just good, good all around, uh, lighter weight game. That's still good for gamers. And as a plus, it also helps you learn African geography. <laughs> yeah. So that's Africana.
Okay, uh, so that was Africana. And now we'll move on to the On the Table segment where we talk about the games that we've been playing lately. So, Jeff, why don't you uh, start that up? All right, so, yeah, I have a whole long list of things I've played since we got back from Gen Con. Uh, mostly, uh, mostly things I'm just got quick comments on. We'll save, uh, one or two reviews for later in the show. So starting with, uh, Smash Up, I actually got this played a couple more times, uh, with my wife and, uh, also over at the Wandering Dragon Game Shop, which is where I like to play games these days. And, um, it, this is, this is a funny one because I actually, I think I talked about it after our review where I said, actually, I didn't, I didn't mean to come out off quite as positive sounding about the game as, um, as I did. You remember me saying that? Like after the, yeah, the mic was bit. hung up. Yeah. And then, and then I started thinking about it more and I was like, wow, yeah, maybe. And so, so anyway, I had the opportunity to play it more and now I'm kind of glad that that was the case because I, I was worried that as I continued to play this, that it would get kind of dull, maybe repetitive. I don't know that maybe it was more random than I thought or I, whatever the case might be. But I actually found as I, each time I play it, I like it more than the time before. Oh, really? And so that's that, because well, I keep seeing more, you know, for cliche, I guess, depth, but just in the way that you can, as you start to build understanding of each card and how to combo that cards or what the ideal situation is to play it. Or you know just how to maximize even some of the abilities in the um uh, the you know the objective cards that you're playing for in the center. I, I don't know. I just I've I've just been really enjoying further plays of that. And uh, you know I played it with my wife two player. I, I had talked before how all of my plays had been with more, and I was concerned that two player would not be so good. And I'm you know happy to report back that two player was good <laughs> not as I, I still think the game is better with more um, so that's um, but we had fun with it as a two-player it is there's a, it does feel a little more back and forth but uh, because there's less things you're fighting over or because it is back and forth <laughs> yeah I, it just it definitely changes it some because some of the special abilities and powers i think do lend themselves a little better to when there's more going on and it, I mean, the more choices are the, better in that case. But. The more players you have, basically the more variety there is. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those where I would say if I wouldn't say any, by any means, don't get the game if you're going to only play with two, but just realize it's definitely one you probably want to try at least once with more than two. So I, you know, I'm, I'm very much a fan of the game or I can I like say it quite a bit. It's a great game with two because I enjoyed it with two when when I've played it. It's a great game with two, and then the more people that you play it with, the the better it is. Exactly. So that's that's Smash Up. Another game we've talked about, you know, from Gen Con Battle Beyond Space. I got that played again over at the, the Wandering Dragon again, and uh, that was uh, again just really pleasant play i suggest anybody that even has a remote interest in that game to go check out our review or any other reviews for it i'm just really pleased that that game continues to be fun and interesting for as quick playing as it is that's exactly you know the point of it plays i think our play was like 40 45 minutes with four yeah i mean it was just fun i mean there's no dice combat Uh, you've got certain cards you're playing them seeing seeing what you can do to kind of maximize what you've got but it doesn't feel as random as it maybe should 
based on a quick read or so, you know, you just kind of expect it not to, not to be fun or interesting, I guess. I don't know. It, the game doesn't look like much, you know, even the, but we talked about all of that, but it's just, it's really just fun and how it plays out and it's quick and you don't, where else do you get that with little plastic ships and kind of a battle combat game and so, so little time. Um, so I'm still thrilled by that game. Uh, both of these kind of aff- affirmations, confirmations, that is, um, on, you know, how much we, we liked them uh, before from a little more limited plays. So kind of trending along with that same topic, uh, Crazy Creatures of Dr. Gloom. Got a bunch more plays of that in. Uh, the only caveat there is I think that... Yeah, it's kind of in the smash up category where it's, I definitely enjoy it with two, but I think it's better with more just because there are, there are certain times where depending on the cards that you get, you, you can see, well, but that's why you play multiple rounds, right? So again, it's just crazy creatures of Dr. Gloom is just this really light, light, light filler game. I mean, there's not a lot of crazy deep analysis paralysis thought to it. Um, but for what it was, for the weight of what it is and such, I, I definitely, still enjoy it and it's you know a keeper for my collection um, so then uh also along a similar line revolver got that played and uh definitely enjoying that game again you know it just fits a different niche for a, a filler that 45 minute and under game that is very thematic you know, there just aren't very many filler games that play that quick that are in, t- you know, smaller boxes that have as much theme as Revolver has. And so I s- still continue to enjoy that. I'm going to pick up the expansions, the little, the little guys. There's little card deck expansions that add a little deck builder element and, and such. And I think that'll be just enough to, um, to keep the interest in the game and, and change it up one play to the next. That, uh, again, that's a game that'll likely end up staying in my collection. So pleased with that again. Moving on, uh, got Netrunner played a couple more times. This was one I was really worried about. I, I, I definitely had said, I don't remember if I said I was going to pick it up or not after our Gen Con plays. I remember you saying that you were kind of on the fence. Yeah, bit. I think I said I was thinking about it. Well, so of course I, I ended up biting the bullet and and buying it just because I don't have any other LCGs or anything. And it, the theme and I was thinking more, even as we were talking about it on the show, just like how all that worked. And I'm very surprised again to say though i i think i like it in a smash up sort of way even more after playing it each time and so i finally got to play the runner side too i had just been playing the corporation and it from 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 the plays limited plays still um that i've done it seems like the corporation the consensus was the corporation is harder to play uh, at least for beginners uh, just cuz there's so much to defend and i really i could probably spend ages just going through the the situations in the particular games that I played that were just really, really interesting decision points, tension points. And it, it delivered exactly on what I wanted, which is, you know, that the deck building is a, is a component of the game, but that how you play the game matters greatly. You know, I didn't, I didn't defend the R and D stack enough, or I played uh, too much ice in one spot but not another or i put my agenda out a little too early or i I, there's a bluffing aspect which plays beautifully i I didn't bluff well and then you know switching that around and just even after 10 plays of of the corporation 
side of things, I could turn around and play the the, the runner and have a totally like a totally different experience. Thrilled at thinking about you know getting to that point where I get more plays. So it's definitely it's on that short list of stuff where I'm actually would be interested you know to get involved in if they've got you know um, I'm sure they will start some sort of official tournament circle you know where I can enter at my local store and, and move on from there. Not that I would be good enough to, but you know it just probably be fun to to be part of that. So so that's it, not it's funny to hear your that, so. your change in opinion on that game because when we played it. At Gen Con, I was kind of mixed on it. You know, I, I I thought it was okay, but it wasn't something that I was definitely going to get. And I've had it in a cart twice <laughs> in the past three, four days. Well, see, I don't know that I would say changing opinion. I said I said it wasn't surprisingly good, so it didn't make that show for us because everybody expected it to be good. And I and I said for LCG as a as you know, uh, admittedly not. You know, like on the board game side, I'll argue that I'm as, as qualified as anyone based on the number I've played, you know, the 1600 or whatever. But from a CCG, LCG standpoint, I don't feel I really have the qualifications to fully judge one except from a board gamer's point of view. Because I haven't played every CCG out there or every LCG out there, and I certainly haven't played them tons and tons and tons. I think if you did, you basically don't play board games. That's That's what you do. Um, so I, I, I knew enough to say this was very innovative, very good and about the best one I've, I've played, but, you know, again, looking at it from the board gamer perspective, I, that's where I'm saying, like, I, th- I really think it would appeal to board gamers if they're, if you're going to jump in on one, um, because of the thematic elements, because of the spatial element to the plays, um, the, the decision points and then having the deck building stuff. I mean, it just has everything to going for it. Uh, you know, I'm actually really interested the cards, the story behind it, since it does build into the Android universe and all of that. Uh, there's a new, obviously the first uh, expansion packs already been announced and it'll, it'll be out soon. So yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm pleased. So, uh, you know, I don't know how long that'll last. I'm sure it's not likely that I'm probably still going to be as into it in a year or two time. Uh, but maybe who knows, uh, you know, it, it, at least for occasional plays, um, I may well like it enough for that. So that, you know, that's not right. Seasons. So this was one I definitely needed to get more plays in on because I think we just had the one play at Gen Con uh, and I hadn't played it online despite the fact that you could. So I've still not played it online. I've only played the physical copy and I very, very much like it. Uh, Again, one that I, I, I appreciate more each play uh, I have not even gotten to the advanced cards. We've sort of been just sticking with what they call the standard deck. You know, I taught this to my wife, in fact, even. And the way I taught it to her was there's a suggested starting deck for each player. Right. As well as I divided the cards. So you divide the cards into three stacks that you get over the different years in the game. And I did that for her as well because I, I think that's hard to understand how you would do that when you've never played. Uh, so I'm just sort of surprised they didn't suggest that as part of the starting set of uh, but then because of that, when you actually go to play the game, the game is really kind of simple to teach. All the depth and complexity is really in the card interactions and the, the, the drafting decisions and all of that other stuff. So she picked it up right away, um, very much liked it because it, it's you know very easy to pick up. And then we went back and played again, and that's when I added in, okay, here's how the draft works. Or here's the reasons why you know you divvy them up in the three stacks, try to show the combo elements and such, but... Uh, of course, I've, I've I've beaten her every game we've played, but it's uh, and I did make one mistake, 
one mistake on a on a card interpretation, but 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 again, it's just really really neat, innovative little game. One thing I I would throw out there for for two players is just a note that not all the dice are the same. So even though you don't play with all the dice in a two player game, you probably want to mix it up one game to the next because like one die won't even have the draw card side to it. And uh, I think we had one game where that particular season, none of those three dice had that. So it wasn't even an option for that season in a two-player game. So um, so what we've been doing is just kind of shaking them all up, rolling them and picking, you know, three out of random, you know, three random ones for our two-player games. That's um, Seasons. Great and game. Wonderful. One last thing about Seasons is that for the insert snob in me this has one of the most fantastic inserts i've seen in quite a while and it really eclipses lords of Waterdeep, which i used to love before i grew to hate it yeah i don't know i don't know if it's that good I'll for me it. i i guess it's better because you can turn it sideways and it stays in place because it holds everything uh, it's got well slots for the there's dice. even room for expansion yeah I, I believe so too because it can hold. There's some extra spots. Yeah, it's got extra spots for the like elements, the element discs. Which makes me think there's going to be some advanced elements or something like that in the first expansion. Yeah, and if I remember right, when we were at Gen Con, the guy basically, the guy that was teaching us, the game basically said that they're going to kind of wait to see how the game's received before they decide on. Well, I think they know now. It's been received oh, very for well. Sure. So that expansion that i don't remember if he said if it was done or not but uh that expansion is probably going to be out for they sure. did say something about working on it and i they may have even mentioned the whole um extra uh elements or whatever they're called what are they called <laughs> yeah but it, you know elements because there's the the terminology is confusing at first i mean i it's e- it's easy to, to refresh when you got it in front of you but um, you know, the crystals, I think we were, we were confused when we were first talking about it too, or I was anyway, the, the crystals are victory points and so forth. Um, but once you get all that down, then, you know, the, the terminology on the cards isn't bad, but you know, I, I hadn't done the deck building thing at Gen Con. And so that was interesting to see how that worked where it's kind of like a seven wonders draft again, or, you know, I, I mean, it was around before then, but that's kind of the, what everyone knows for comparison. So, you know, you, you take the nine cards, you, you pick the one you want the most and pass it around and, you know, and so on until you've got the full set. And it's just, it's just interesting the way some of them can combo off one another. And so you, you may immediately think you want the one with the highest point value, but in fact, you know, you, you, you may well not because of its ability to interact with uh, either the type of strategy you like to play or just other cards that you have, or maybe even cards that you think you might draw if you like to draw extra cards which um found ways to do so easy easy but very satisfying uh plays again and uh that doesn't doesn't particularly feel unreasonably random for all the dice rolling and such there is and for anyone actually um i wanted to throw this out too the whole roll your dice and and pick from uh because that's the main thing in the game or the like innovative mechanic you take a handful of dice one more than the number of players you roll it all these different things come up and you pick first and then the next player will pick one and so on and there'll be one left. That mechanic has actually been in other games, quite a few in fact. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. One that's pretty similar would be Age of Conan. So that might be uh, worth investigating if you really like that mechanic and uh, you know want to see it in some other games. A funny little story real quick is I was looking at the game uh, on the shelf at uh, one of the local game stores here. 
which and the game was actually right in front of the cash register. So, you know, I was looking at it real quick and uh, the guy behind the cash register basically asked me, he's like, what is it with that game? <laughs> well, why do people like that? Because I guess they had Doesn't look like sold a whole bunch of them that day. And there's one copy left on the shelf. And I told him, like, oh, the game's actually a lot of fun. It's got great chunky dice. It's got really nice art, great cards, fun interaction. Yeah, well, the, I, the, the art is different. You know, the theme is different. And, yeah, there's, yeah, I don't know if I would quite call it interaction. I mean, there's not as much player interaction, at least with the cards I've played, well, the, as there maybe card could interaction. be. That's what I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, I was, I was thinking between players. I mean, maybe in the advanced deck, there's more, or in the in the expansion. But that's definitely one area where maybe they could improve a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's definitely room because the, the game's light enough, easy enough right now that that advanced deck or even a more advanced deck with some extra mechanics are, isn't going to burden the game needlessly. Uh, at that point, anybody invested in it is going to be more than capable of handling uh, another little layer of rules. Yeah, so very exciting game again, just to see where they take it. Yeah, so the guy basically kind of looked at me, you know, kind of like with the one eyebrow up and he's like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> not really buying what I'm telling him. He's like, I'll have to try it. You know, when one of our game nights. So as I was walking out of there, I was kind of thinking to myself, you know, it's, you know, you look at the box and you see the art on there and it's, it's kind of weird art and it's got this weird rabbit, <laughs> you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Like oh, the yeah, magic absolutely. rabbit in there. Yeah. And I, I think that the art on the game might cause people to not take it seriously, but you know, only if they're being judgmental, I, I mean, just based on the art, but it is a great game. It's still pretty light. I mean, it's definitely not as light as Africana. I mean, it, this this would be no SDJ winner just because I think... Yeah, I don't, this won't even this be nominated. Would, <laughs> I don't think... Yeah, it's, it's more in the Kenner... Uh, it could be nominated. I I'd be know. surprised. I don't know. It's, it's, got, it's got that gimmick. But yeah, I think it's a little almost too heavy with the, because you got the card drafting as part of the actual game, not even the advanced game. You know, it's... And and I don't say this in any form of derogatory fashion and all, but to me the game is like it's like pop music, you know? It's it's not like the music that people take seriously. It's it's just a lot of fun. It's light. It's got funky art and it's just a good time. But the people It's more serious than Smash Up. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely a level level deeper than any of those games, you know. Love Af- Africana or love Smash Up, but you know this this one's a, you know if if neither of those if both of those seem kind of too silly light, I still think Seasons is a little bit more of a serious game than those ones, um, even if not entirely, right? I mean, certainly your Euro snob would still turn their nose. Oh, for it. sure. It's got dice after yeah, all, so big dice. Uh, Agricola, all creatures big and small. Couple plays of that uh, got in, and um, very much a fan of the game. Yeah, as a as a nice uh, because it fits in the filler category again. You know, maybe a little longer than you would normally maybe call a filler, but you know, two for two player fillers. You know, forty five minutes or less. I think as you really get the rules down, it's quite fast. I mean, there's only what eight turns in the yes, game. It can go really, and you're quick. yeah, and you're basically only playing three workers, which you can't get any more. So 
that means you only get 24 plays in any one game if I've got the math right. So that's not really that many. Um, there's a fairly limited action set. So, um, but because of, I, I don't know, it's just, it has that Agricola feel. And at the same time, it doesn't replace the game. So I, certainly if you hate Agricola for the reasons of, you know, it's frustrating because people are always taking your actions or it's hard to feed people, most of that's stripped out of this game. And, you know, there's no cards or anything like that. So that whole layer of complexity is gone. Um, but you still you still have the animals. Um, some of the mechanics to placing fences are, are different. I really like the the fact that you can place these buildings and all four sides count as the fences. So it's it's you know you can kind of spatially optimize that way, and you can actually unlike Agricola, you can place multiple um, well they're called feeding troughs in this one, and you the, each one multiplies by two. So if it's a a two space pasture. Yeah, if it's a two-space pasture and you've got one in each space, then it's two times two times two. So you can actually put eight. Did I do that right? Wait, yeah, how many troughs? Space. Two. So you have two troughs? Yeah, normally you can only two, have two per two space. two-space pasture. So normally you can yeah. fit in four. The first pasture multiplies it by two. The second one does it by two again. Right. So it's eight per space or 16 total. So that's pretty cool that you can continue to maximize that. There's buildings where you can fit more in the buildings, little stables and stuff. And, and then it's just a whole, you need some of each, you know, at least three of each of the four animals, that's but tough. you know, more are worth more and the kind of the trade off. Cause there's only so much time in the game, you know, which ones do you get more of? Which ones do you, you know, let the babies run away, I guess. And, uh, you know, there's still the wood and stone and, and, uh, reeds. Um, and, and some other, you know, there's some other interesting spaces and such to the game. And it's just very well tuned for two and gives me real good hope. I think he, you know, now he's talking about doing a two player Lahav cool. or whatever the case might be, you know, re go through the series and make these, these uh, little two player versions. So, um, so I'm kind of encouraged by that too. It'll kind of be a nice little subset of things. And if, if it's even, close to as well done as this one is. And this one's, I think, very, very satisfying as a two-player game. It, it really stands on its own. You know, a lot of these games are just a poor shell of, uh, I'm thinking specifically like the card game versions of popular board games. Rarely do you have like a San Juan, which is a, a very well-received card game version of Puerto Rico, right? Most of the time you like say Samurai, the card game, you know, nobody even, people are like, what, Samurai? There was a card game? I didn't even know that, right? I know about the board game, but these card game versions get totally forgotten about. So, or the dice game versions of, you know, Carcassonne, the dice game or whatever. Um, so the, the fact that there's this Agricola spinoff game that really basically fully stands on its own, um, I think is awesome. And so, you know, that's, that's neat. I'm, I'm very, I'm very, very happy with that. Um, I still don't, wouldn't say it's like the most spectacular game I've ever played or anything like that, but um, one that I, again, it seems like it'll have a permanent place in my uh, collection. Definitely scratches a slightly different itch, uh, fits in a different category than other games like it that I have. So I uh, was very happy with that one too. So Agricola, all creatures, big and small. It smells nice. <laughs> it's got the lookout smell. Well, so let, let me quickly list then some other games that I'm not going to talk about, but I'll talk about on a future show, um, just because I do want to get more plays in on them uh, before I render like my my final opinion. So uh, that's Fizzed. I got a play in of that. Um, need to play it more. Uh, Village, uh, the one everybody's kind of talk been talking about. 
Um, also because of Atlantis rising and that kind of being good, but not great for us, we kind of went back and started playing some of our co-ops, so Castle Panic, Defenders of the Realm, a couple other ones. Um, some kind of weigh in on those, uh, kind of updated views on those. Uh, also, uh, Days of Steam and uh, a couple other titles from Valley Games that I've been playing, including D-Day Dice and some other stuff. So, um, you know, that's uh, probably coming up in the next episode or two. So uh, how about you, Rob? What have you been getting played? I've got a bunch of stuff uh, in recently. Uh, first one I want to talk about is I got a game or two in of Radis. Now, this is a game that was just up on uh, Yukata, Yukata online. And so being that it just got up on uh, the site, I figured, heck, I would just pull out the board game and play that a couple times, just kind of, you know, get back into it. And it's a game that I've enjoyed, you know, for a little bit. Basically, it's got area control and... It's got these big cardboard cards. I can't really call them tiles because they're actually extremely large. Where there's a couple of different ones of them where it's you know you have peasants and knights and each one of them you take control over it and you get an you know you get that card's action. You know similar to what San Juan has and it's it's a very very fun game. Interesting mechanics all about the or mechanisms all about the the Black Plague and rats. <laughs> rats? rats? In a game called yeah. Rattus? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so r- rats spreading plague and killing off people. What a fun topic. But, uh, you know, as a game, it's pretty light. It plays fairly quickly. And the uh, Yukata version is fantastic. I've never played it. It's um, one of the rare, say, notable tie. I mean, it's a, it's the kind of game that most people have heard of yes. at this point because there's a variety of expansions. Yeah, it's been out stuff, for – actually, it's uh, got a lot of expansions, yeah. and I think it's only been out for like two years. Yeah, there's another one they've announced for this year. Yeah, but, it's a card uh, game. But yeah, oddly, it's it's in the, like a small list of games I've just, for whatever reason, I've it kind of either never really interested me or I've just otherwise never played maybe. it. So maybe, maybe now I'll get to, since it's on Yucatan, I can try and maybe, it. Or maybe I'll bring it over or something. We'll, we'll get it played there you go. these days. But the uh, Yucatan version, fantastic. The graphics are just like the board game. Fantastic. It plays really, really well. If, if you've ever played Radis and you enjoy it, definitely check out the Yucatan version. It doesn't, I don't think it's one of those games that actually gets ruined by the Yucata experience. So there was that. I got uh, some Friday in. That was the Freedom Unfreeze solo play game that came out. I don't know if it was early this year or late last year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, I think we. Yeah, I, I talked about it a couple times. Man. This is I I just might must not have it with this game because I just cannot win, and it's not even that I, you know, I get close and I don't win. I mean, I just there's <laughs> I don't even get close to the end. <laughs> so I I've really got to rethink my strategies for this, and I really don't want to look online to see like strategies. I think you're gonna have to because there's something fundamentally wrong with how I'm playing it. I I think almost like I'm too conservative with it. So there's that. 
If it's any, if it's anything like our Game of Thrones game, yeah, you're too conservative. Yeah. Attack! attack. <laughs> it's not exactly what you do. Don't in that get game, him, but. Tiger. Another one is Lilypad. This is a game that I've been playing with my son, and it's a it's a fun little game. You have uh, these frog discs that you move uh, across these lily pads and the game is actually played on top of the box so the cover you you flip over and you put a board on top of it and then you put the box bottom next to it and there's a board and then inside the box bottom is a slanted piece of plastic so eventually when you jump down enough lily pads you slide into the box yeah, you know, and, and while we're on the topic of kids' yeah. games, uh, you know, maybe maybe now would be a time to to uh, mention that I don't know I don't know if we can continue this podcast after that game recommendation you made the other day. So I just I, I think I hold you responsible for recommending Angry Birds. Oh, I did not recommend that. <laughs> I would not. Well, recommend you didn't that. stop me from buying it. Well, and well, so well, needless let, to let, say, let me finish going through my games then well let's talk about the angry birds for a couple seconds okay. I'd, I'd like to get your take on it <laughs> so yeah we we did uh lily pad and my my son's four years old and you know like most four-year-olds he doesn't always play by the rules he plays by his rules in the game so good enough he'll be a future yeah game. so lily pad basically winds up being i move all of the frogs down to the end and he slides them all down into the water <laughs> and then it's like okay <laughs> this is pointless we're not playing this again but it's a fun little game for kids uh maybe like once they're a little bit older than five four uh we've also played monza which is a fantastic game love this game still you roll dice you move cars around a track really simple color dice yeah color i like it too Definitely, it's a good one. Uh, one game I wanted to mention. It's I, I thought it would be fun to mention on the show because um, it's something that you know the listeners might enjoy because uh, it's similar. It has like a board gamey kind of feel, or at least uh, similar to some of the games out there. And that's a game called Faster Than Light also known as FTL. It's out on Steam and also some other, I think, one or two systems. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they're just uh, outside of the U.S. But basically what this game is, uh, they call it a roguelike game. The graphics aren't the best. They look kind of like 8-bit-ish, maybe better than 8-bit-ish, maybe 16-bit type graphics, (laughs) if there's such a thing. You're not selling it. But it's a fun game it's it's so gameplay is the thing yeah it's got uh, a view of your spaceship it really reminds me of the views that you have like of a spaceship in let's say uh starship Catan or galaxy oh, trucker okay. you know where you, you hmm. see your spaceship from above and you have different rooms there's like an engine room the bridge uh, the room with the shields it's turn-based no no it's it's basically like a live game real Real time time game ah right forget it it's a it's a real-time game and uh you're basically traveling with your ship 
to different areas in space and you get attacked by pirates and you control uh, your four uh, characters within the game. So let's say, um, you know, you're being attacked. So now you got to send one of your guys over into the little shield area. So he mans the shields and then, you know, you might need, you know, there's a fire in your ship. You might need to open up an airlock to vent the fire out into space or to deplete the oxygen. It's, it's just a fun game. Uh, it has a very big feel of like a solo play board game. That's a mm. interesting, it's just an interesting kind of setup. You might want to check it out. Not it's, happening uh, for me. Nine bucks. I can't stand, so can't stand real time yeah. games. Anymore. So it's nine bucks but, for, but the, for rest the rest of, of our listeners who there. do like them. Definitely yeah. check it out. You know, especially if, if you've ever played any solo games and you've had a good time. It's it's fairly inexpensive. Like I said, it's it's ten bucks normally. I think it's on uh, sale still for ten percent off. That that brings up a, a good um, discussion point, which maybe we'll we'll talk about in a second after Angry Birds. So I want to talk about the whole solo video game thing. But uh, so was that it for your your list? Yeah. And well, so Angry Birds. I can also say Borderlands Two just came out woo-hoo, today, so I'm definitely gonna get some time in with that. This is a particular version I got, Angry Birds Space, latest and greatest board game okay. from Angry Birds. And for here, I'm talking about video games, although I guess this is more iPad and, and Android mobile gaming. For anyone that doesn't know, there's a new Angry Bird version. The, the 611th one is out. It's called Angry Birds Space. And unlike the first 610 Angry Birds, it's actually innovatively new. I don't it's believe set up it. totally new. Totally new. It's not like fling the bird right at the pigs. It actually has gravity effects and you slingshot around moons and everything's in space and floating. And um, so it's all about manipulating gravity. And even some of the bird effects are all different. One blows up into like popcorn and really crazy stuff. It's actually really, really good for anyone bored with Angry Birds. It has a totally, again, unique feel. My son loves to make me play through it because he at a point can't do them. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's the daddy beat the levels for me. And I, I did not loathe continuing to play this one like some of the other right. games. So, okay. um, so in any case, so then you were telling me to go get this no, Angry Birds no, game. No. Just the I other never day. would have told you that. <laughs> or, or your wife. Somebody implied yeah, Wendy that it might, might not be a bad it. idea. So, so of course we went and did that that day. In fact, on the way home, on the way. Uh, we, we, we stopped at a place and got it, picked it up for a couple bucks off at a, at a, at a local store. And so first, the thing I would say about but, Angry Birds Space. So it's and the this Angry is the Birds Space board game. The real game. Okay. Yeah. So this is the fourth one, I believe, in the series. And the first disappointment in the game is the fact that space means one of the pigs is in a, like a round globe. You know, it's supposed to be like his helmet, space helmet. Yeah, basically. And and the the red bird, the classic angry bird, has uh, glasses on. Like, you know, I don't know, like fighter pilot glasses or what. Goggles? Pilot glasses. Yeah. And um, that's pretty much what makes it angry bird space. <laughs> Thank you, Mattel. Okay. Yes. And and the cards, okay, the cards have little stars on the background that you draw. You know, and, and, the, and the box cover has space graphics. But... Uh, the actual game is in all other ways 100% identical to the third game, the second game, and the first game in the Angry Birds board game series. Okay. So it's kind of like, you know, as innovative as the space, you know, uh, tablet, uh, mobile version was, 
they kind of looked at this and said, you know, hey, we should do something different. And then somebody else said, or we could just put a helmet on the pig and goggles on the bird and go to lunch. And that's what they did. So it's about as lazy an effort as I've ever seen for the fourth one. I mean, really? So I don't even get why you would buy more than one of these because you don't even need the extra components or the pigs. That's completely redundant one to the next. I just must just be missing it. Okay, so that aside, the game. As you well know, since I'm reviewing essentially the same exact game you have. Yeah, because I think we have Ice. Right, which was, I think, the second one, possibly second or third. But it it really pretty much sucks. <laughs> For one, it's impossible to get these things to stand up the way that it intends to. Oh, and yeah. I'm sitting there looking at the picture going, wait, no, they do intend for it to be set up the stupid way where they basically fall down if you breathe on it. And so if you do manage to launch, if you don't play on the like uh, a table that's like secured to the earth, pretty much just the 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 vibration of something landing on the table is going to knock it all down, or you know the the air flow created by the slingshot, um, which of course is wildly inaccurate. Another common complaint, um, but it's really it's just not it's. Um, it's just kind of a dumb game. I mean, so you, 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 I don't know. It's not even worth talking about further, but I will say on the plus side, my son is addicted to it, loves it. He played it like a hundred times today. In fact, I think for three hours straight. So as a toy, it's probably worth every what, dollar. He kind of set it up and then he slingshotted the bird into the, into the blocks. Just any and everything. It's, I mean, I get frustrated with having to set it up for him. So at some point then I just let him do whatever he wants to do with it. And, you know, it goes from there. So, um, but it, that's the, you know, if you're trying to play it correctly, you'll be throwing it in the trash because it just, you can't possibly set it up that many times over and over again with as perfectly as everything needs to be stacked without falling especially down. some of those cards completely some of those cards that are you know more advanced that have the more complicated setups you'll spend a couple minutes building that thing you know that's probably not even counting if it accidentally falls over in the middle of building well it. and that's that's the pride just i'm yeah. i'm pretty good with precision stuff but these are just they're not meant to stack the way that they intend them to be stacked uh, or there is purposely made to be just super easy to knock down. And it's just too, I don't know. I don't, I just feel like it's not as well thought out as it should have been. And the game that we've got on thin ice, it's got these little plastic ice blocks that uh, are two piece. So they kind of loosely snap together mm-hmm. and then, you know, they kind of break. Oh, apart. well, well, true. You know, to be fair that the space one has an asteroid. I forgot that is in two speed pieces oh, as well so, okay it's just basically a ball that breaks into does it have the exploding tnt box no. nope nope nothing like that so I, I yeah so i just to throw it out there i mean it's it's a it's an awful game <laughs> from a game perspective i think there's no game to it but you know as a toy for uh, 17 bucks or so you know it's it's not that bad of a buy for uh, four-year-olds so that's Angry Birds. You can look at it like, yeah, it's another game from Mattel. So what do you expect?
Okay. So then the other thing, uh, moving on to like our up for discussion section, wanted to talk a little bit about how different player counts affect uh, gaming experiences. And in particular, I wanted to start by asking a question. Now, I don't solo play a lot of board games these days, but I think it's an interesting way to start the conversation in terms of you were talking about that FTL game. Yeah. Right. And there is a weird stigma around solo playing board games. For instance, I think even now, if I, if my, if my wife, you know, if I were to tell, you know, mention that to her, she would be like, well, why would you, why would you play a a board game by yourself? But yet, and that's with as much gaming as we've done for as many years as we've done that. But yet with video games, I don't think anyone sort of thinks of that as, as odd. Right. I mean, you, you know, you could go to any random, you know, we'll call it normal person out there and go, oh, yeah, I play video games. And you're like, oh, oh, online? No, no, just, you know, just against the AI or by myself or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. But if you were to say the same thing about board games, you'd be like, oh, I play a bunch of board games, you know. Oh, really? You know, with with, with others or something? No, no, no I, just, I just play by myself. And they'd be like, what? Okay, that, that guy's a little weird. And why, you know, I, I just never really understood why the difference, why the difference with that. Because um, back in the day, I mean, especially when I was a 10-year-old with Avalon Hill games and stuff, I mean, it was difficult to find opponents. So I did do quite a bit of solo play. I mean, I solo played things like even ASL. Uh, and then uh, eventually I uh, was able to rope some of my friends into playing, and then it grew from there. And then there was a, a local group, gaming group with, um, um, you know, of course, adult gamers, uh, war gamers and such that uh, allowed me to, allowed all of us actually to join their group and they were very hospitable. But um, still, in throughout all of that, I never got to play as much as I wanted to. So I did a lot of solo gaming and I just never really thought of it as an abnormal thing. So, okay. so I don't know, any view on that and why is it so accepted in the video game world, but yet in the board game world, it's so frowned upon. Like, why would you possibly do that? I don't know. That's not one thing that I definitely frowned upon because... <laughs> I, I tend to do solo play games, you know, both video and board games. And I, I, the only thing I could say is the people that I believe that kind of frown down upon it are the ones that never do it because they're always playing in huge groups, you know, because to a lot of people, a board yeah. game is all about, you know, it, it's all about, you know, the social, social interaction, interaction, you know, seeing yeah, and the people so I guess this and, then. The argument would be, cause I was gonna say, well, what, you know, hey, if you're, let's say you are married with kids, as both of us are, you know, it's, it's not so much, we're not talking about that Saturday afternoon or the, or the Wednesday evening where you, you know, you could go and play games with others. We're, we're talking more about it's, you know, 11, 11 p.m. at night or midnight or something and you got an extra hour. You know, it's not like you're gonna be able to find an opponent. So, but versus, hey, you've got a solo game. A lot of people would answer, well, why don't you just go online and play play uh, on Yucata even or, or one of the board games online or something like that. At least you're playing with another person. Or just play that video game. And that, that was always my argument. Like, well, what do you mean play the video game if I'm playing, you know, what's the difference if I'm playing that alone or playing a board game alone? I don't know. And I don't, I don't really have a lot of solo games at this point, but I've actually thought to add a few, especially like some of the war games and stuff. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple on pre-order. So uh, it's just... And uh, okay, so... So be that as it, as it may, I guess we don't have a good answer for why that stigma is out there, but it definitely is. The reason I wanted to start with that point is I wanted to move into 
explaining one reason why I really like the idea of solo gameplay. <laughs> okay. Uh, or, or, or at least why I enjoyed it as a kid and why I'm thinking, you know, some of the solo war games and stuff may appeal to me for some of these extra time frames. And it really has to do with why I also enjoy two player games versus six player games. And, and I think this became apparent for you in our Game of Thrones game. When, when you're doing, uh, let's say we'll go to the extreme, the six player games, it is gotta be the enjoyment comes uh, at least equally from the social factors as it does from the gameplay, correct? I mean, it has yes. to because the time, the slice that you get to play the game is one sixth at most. In a, a good game, I guess, at that player count will have more interaction, more things to do on other people's turns. Maybe there's some stuff to think about, but on average, you're not you're not you know you're not playing as much as you are spending the time with others. And while I obviously enjoy that aspect to gaming, there's still the part of the the games themselves, right, which is a whole different thing. And I notice in playing two-player games or even two-player versions of, you know, multiplayer games that I'm spending a lot more time percentage-wise actually making decisions, taking my turn, being involved in the gameplay. And particularly, as I, as I thought about this further, for people who have analysis paralysis, I don't think they recognize this aspect as much because when you're playing that six-player game, you're taking up an unfair, well, I was going to say unfair, but not, not to imply it's wrong to have analysis paralysis, but you're taking up a larger portion, a larger pie slice than the others at the table. And I tend to be the opposite. I tend to be the person that thinks during other people's turn. And by the time it gets around to me, I'm like, you know, I've made my move and now I'm waiting another 20, 25 minutes for it to get back to me again. And then, you know, I make my move and, and then see, so you then look after that four hour game and you're like, wow, I think it was actually my turn for maybe five or six minutes out of that whole time. And okay. Then if you add in the time I actually was thinking about stuff, okay, maybe it's a little bit more, but, but I don't think that's as noticeable when you're the guy that just is spending a long time cranking through and thinking while everybody else is waiting. And, and then you still, of course, enjoy maybe the social part of it. And then you, you, you contrast that with a two player game experience, which is what so many games used to be back in the Avalon Hill days the rare exception was the multiplayer game and most of them were just two player it really was you know you're thinking you're making your moves your opponents you know thinking making his moves you're still thinking and, and, and by the time it comes back to you and you're kind of engaged this whole time in the game decision process and that's in some ways immensely satisfying i think versus the others where you have to kind of um, look more at just the social element and and, and I guess where I was going with that is in the think about, I mean, from the, from that point of view, the solo game then is sort of the ideal because that's all, you know, if, if you're playing for 60 minutes, you're making decisions for 60 minutes. And in some cases, I, I was going to go out with an extreme here and say a, a non-socially focused game aside, if you play a six player game solo and li literally take the turns of all six players in some ways, do you not have the experience of having played the game six times? Maybe. Right? I mean, you've gone through the decision points for all of those players and as opposed to just playing it. You know, Now, you could say, well, there won't be the challenge necessarily, but it depends on, on your capabilities of making decisions from the standpoint of other players. 
And I think there's something to be said. Certainly war gamers know this. I mean, Euro gamers are laughing right now and, and party gamers for sure. But I mean, a war gamer knows that there's a lot to be learned by playing both sides in a conflict and, 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 you know, analyzing the situation in the battle and, um, building a strategy that you then want to use in your actual, uh, engagement with XYZ experienced opponent where you, you typically are playing against people who are experienced in the game. Um, so often with, with, uh, with board games and Euro games, you know, there's always, because of the multiplayer aspect, there's always somebody that's totally new, never played it before, or, you know, there's varying levels of experience, uh, much more often. And I think in, in, in general, th- there isn't as much value in doing that because you're still playing against, you know, somebody else who's just not at that level. So I don't know. I, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I wonder why I haven't done more. Uh, of it myself uh, and why others haven't you know considered it so mean the solo play aspect yeah the solo i think a lot of people uh, get pushed into it based on necessity because you know if you get the people in the remote regions or they don't have a lot of friends that play games or it's not readily available you know to find people to play with you tend to do the solo play more if you are just surrounded by people that play you know, whether you're in a dorm or, you know, some kind of center. Yeah, but, Th- but those again, people, I think, I think, are less apt to play. And it's just, I think that's the cliche answer, though. I think that's and the that's right the answer. all or nothing, right? Well, but that, that wouldn't apply to me, for instance. I mean, I have plenty of, um, I mean, I, just to my wife alone, I can pretty much play any game I want to play. Uh, and then I get out for game nights and other gaming friends and such. But, you know, like I said, there's still those pockets of time when my wife doesn't want to play and I've got an hour or two to kill. You know, why not play it? So why, you know, why I'm kind of burned out on the PC gaming thing. Why force myself to play a PC game or another mindless iPad um, implementation? You know, why not break out the solo war well, game? Here's, here's another view of it. Okay. So you've got some people that are possibly into gaming more for the social aspect, you know, just hanging out and, you know, having the chit chat and so forth. Those are the people that are less apt to do the solo stuff because when you play solo, you get none of that. But right. But I guess I'm, I'm just pushing against the, but, but that same person that says that and feels that, and, and maybe that's even true for it. will still then go back and play a video game or, or play a mindless iPad game, angry birds, whatever. And it's still basically playing solo. That, that's kind of my, the crux of my argument. So I mean, would they really, those aren't social. Those aren't, there's no social benefit I mean, to that. Would they really, so why not still then I go? Mean, okay. And, let me, let me finish my thought here. So okay. you've got that type of gamer and then you've got the other type of gamer that let's say, let's say they're more into the game, the experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the people that are more into the game possibly, they're the ones that are more apt to do the solo play game. When I look at the whole video game aspect, because, you know, I, I play Xbox, I play PC games and when we do this Xbox Life show, a lot of the people on there, you know, including my co-hosts, when they play, they all play on Xbox Live. They all have their headset and microphone on, and they're all chit-chatting the entire time. It's totally a social experience. Even when they're not playing oh, in I the agree. same game, yeah. they're in a party room, and they're all talking. But again, we're, we're talking about different people. I'm talking about the person that doesn't, the person that plays, which is a lot of the older gamers that just plays the solo version of Call of Duty or the, you know, well, again, Angry right. Birds, which I don't think you can so, play. 
you know, what, what, what is their, uh, you know, stigma against playing a solo? So now I look at myself when I play those games, I don't like to play the multiplayer. I play the solo campaigns. So I look at my gaming habits from board games. I like regular, I like the regular games and I like solo play games. When I play on Xbox, I really don't like the whole chit chat aspect. I just want to play the game. So maybe with that being said, from my experiences, I can say that it really depends on if you're more into the game, more into the story. Those are the ones. Yeah. Well, and then the, and the last caveat or the, the last little angle to it was, and now even for the ones that will play the solo games, they'll sort of insist on that it's actually a solo game, right? It'll say, okay, you know, it's okay because this game is only for one player, right? This this war game, solo war game, or it's a co-op game that plays one. And, you know, that's a, that's okay then to this other smaller subset. Um, and then there's an even smaller group that actually will find it okay to, to play like a, a game that normally would only play two or three minimum, and they'll just play multiple sides, sort of hot seat, and put themselves through that as a way, again, of maybe get, uh, exploring strategies or gaining experience and stuff. So I just, it's just a weird thing I've sort of observed, um, with, with people. So I don't know. Just thought I'd, I'd share that discussion out there. And so, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe it'd be a good one to start a, a guild topic on and just, uh, any of our listeners that have thoughts on maybe if that you guys play solo, like I said, I really haven't much in recent years, but I do have a couple solo war games up for pre-order and such. And, you know, I probably got some co-op games that play one that have never really tried that way, like the D and D ones and such. But I just was a, a, you know, am I missing out, right? You know, should I be doing that stuff instead of playing Angry Birds? You know, that, that's kind of just, you know, what are what are people's thoughts on that? I'd be curious. Got uh, oldie but goodie or uh, blast from blast the from past. the past. <laughs> okay, so I got a blast from the past. I think at some point somebody asked about this game and what I thought. So the game's uh, Liberté. It's a uh, or is it Liberté? Or Liberté? Yeah, it's Liberté. The game is Liberté by Martin uh, Vallis. <laughs> I think it is. So I don't know. Never heard of the guy, but in any case. It's a uh, French Revolution game, and you know anything about this one, Rob? It's kind of older title, Valley Games title, not too old. Well, yeah, you know what? Actually, it is. Yeah, kind it's of a old, couple of years old. It was reprinted at, at one point or something. I don't know. I, I I'd never, I haven't played it until um, not all that long ago. I never had a copy myself. I hadn't played it previously, unless it's on that list of stuff I forgot. But no, I'm pretty sure I would remember this one. So. Yeah, it's a French Revolution game where you're basically, it's sort of like area control. You're placing in 27 different provinces uh, spread amongst six different areas. And uh, basically there's the moderates, which are blue, royalists, which are white, and radicals, which are red. And it's, so it's one of those games where you're not really anybody, but you're everybody at the same time. 
And uh, that, what's what's neat about it then is if you talk about the, the way the area control mechanic works is each area can have three stacks total of up to three of the same colored blocks, but each player can only control one stack and you alone control that stack. It's really an extremely simple game in its core, which is okay. one of its better qualities, I think. And, you know, it, your turn is basically play a card or draw a card. I mean, on that level, it's almost simpler than Ticket to Ride. I mean, you only have two options right. instead of three. So for um, for similar reasons, that like the tie-breaking rules amongst scoring and figuring out things are almost needlessly complex by comparison. But if you didn't have that, there'd almost be no game to it. What it is, there'll be cards in their personality cards. Each one has a province color, one of the six colors, and uh, one to three colored squares shown. And that basically is telling you, you know, okay, I can, in, in that region, I can place that many of those colored squares of that color and put my little ownership cube on top of it. And, you know, that's how you go around placing things. And so uh, what happens is it's basically there's an election that's going on. And so you're evaluating on a per province level, you know, who has the most. What's interesting about the game is the first half of the deck favors blue and the second half favors red. So that kind of factors in um, to the strategy. One of the things I really like about the game is are you going to go for the immediate, you know, you go for the blue because it's going to be easier early on, or you can kind of, we'll say, invest long term because it's going to eventually turn red. And the, the game ends after uh, four turns. Yeah, I would say it's like four turns. So it's a very short game on that level. Or there's sudden death through this white territorial victory, which which there's like almost like a special battle mini game that goes along with that to helping with that. And then red has like an election total victory. So otherwise, it's sort of like a almost like a blue de facto kind of win. But what what happens then is for the election, you go territory by territory through all 27, and whoever has the most votes uh, is the sort of new government there. The person contributing the most territories gets five points. Second place is like two points. Uh, and the most in the opposing is like three. And and then there's just a couple like special territories that score extra victory points. That's that's kind of relevant. So, you know, here's the things I don't like about the game. So because there's a card display, it has kind of that problem where worthless cards clog it up. You know, in that way, it's sort of ticket to ride again where there's a certain number out and you draw from that. So you could house rule it. As I've said before, I'm not a big fan of house ruling. So... I, I guess I don't I don't know I just feel I wonder why more people don't realize that with these games that that happens right I mean there's so many games like that when you have the card displays and they just get clogged up with bad stuff but in any case so that was one of course the the draws themselves can feel too random at times um, you know if you really just need that one more blue block and uh, the, the, like the turns run out when one of a particular color of the blocks run out so sometimes it literally could be that way. Like you're just drawing cards because I just need to place one anywhere. I don't even care where. I just want to end it and you can't. So that can be kind of frustrating. And the game lends itself to AP prone players because with all of those different regions and all of the number and scoring possibilities, it's very easy to just try to overanalyze everything and drag the game out and draw the game out. Um, the other thing I think is that it's really a, a problem with less than five or six players because with the three different factions, especially like with three players, if two people go after one, it it, it really kind of screws the third player. And, and what I I didn't really see any way to get around that when that was happening in, in the, um, the the games with less players. We can call that one personal preference. So then it's it's really just the other stuff. But all right. So what I like about the game, okay. this is really this is really cool, Rob. All right, you can save up to four cards uh, in your personal display that you can replay on future turns. 
So it really is more awesome than it sounds because it lets you hold on to particularly great cards. So if you do decide to, let's say you're going to do a strategy and you're going to try to own blue, right, in a particular region, then the, the really good cards that you've drawn. So yes, there's randomness and yes, you're not always getting what you want. But once you get certain good cards, you can save them and reuse them every turn. So it's almost like Africana in that way. I mean, it's a terrible comparison otherwise, but you know, that you get that, that one, you can, you know, once you invest in that one blue card, you can play it every single turn. Well, this is the same way, except there's an even added tension point where you can actually sacrifice one of those cards to win a tie. And there's a lot of ties that happen. So when, when things are equal and since the range isn't much, um, uh, you can sacrifice that card to win the tie. And if the opponent sacrifices one, then it's, you know, kind of like whoever had the most blocks on it. That can kind of sting because you really don't want to do that unless um, that's going to sway like an, an election in an important way. So that was the, the thing I liked the most, far and above anything else. Uh, that's a really cool element to the game. And then two, the for area control, it has a very unique feel. Um, so in a way that, uh, you know, I still like, you got to say Dominare. Yeah, I still <laughs> I like that, that one way better. Yeah, and I think there's a lot more to to that game, and it plays a, a wider range of players and such. But outside of that, this is as interesting an area control game as I, I've I've probably played in terms of standing out from other area control games because you have like the area control purpose within each little region, you know, um, or uh, territory, and then you know the overall uh, regions or whatever they're called. And, uh, you know, that, that's just kind of, it's kind of neat the way that works. Uh, it, so it's really the same plus as negative. The negative is the, all the analysis paralysis that ends up because of that. Uh, and so then the other thing I like about it is when you do find five or six people, it's simple enough that you can teach it relatively quick. And uh, I mean, you know, the caveat being uh, how often, the problem for me is how often can I find five or six people that want to play a 10 year old game about the French, well, French politics to be more specific, you know, and, and, but, but if you can, that you can play it with what is probably only about four or five pages of rules. And, uh, it actually does have a really good player's aid too. That's, which is, is impressive. Although you, only one of them was in English, uh, cause it's a multi-language thing, but, um, you know, I, I, I suppose, that's really the problem is it's just a hard game to get played often enough for me. And I don't think I'll have that problem with uh, that other game that we talked about. So that AEG one that's coming up. Um, and so I think that's going to be my area control game of choice. So I've, I've sort of let Liberté go. And, uh, but it's still one I would, I would gladly play if somebody else brings it out. And I think, you know, I've talked a lot about if I were a game collector and I, and I wasn't constantly buying all the new greatness and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's probably one that would, well, it's definitely one that would be in my uh, collection just on uniqueness factor alone, even, even if just barely from, from some, some angles, but yeah, I, you know, it's just, you got to kind of accept it for what it is. The, 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 there's a lot of card draws to it. I mean, that's half of the game or more. And, uh, if you have a group that isn't going to overanalyze it and play it for what it is, accept it for what it is. And, and, you know, then I think you're going to really enjoy the game. Um, so I, I actually, I, I do recommend the game for the right group with the caveats as listed, um, and, and unique if nothing else. So, uh, you know, a fine game by Martin Vallis. <laughs> yeah. I just looked the game up. It's actually 11 years old. Yeah. That's yeah. Insane. I knew it was yeah, old. That's crazy. I don't, the Valley reprint isn't that old though. It was originally by um, somebody else. 
Because Valley Games hasn't been around in 11 years. Uh, looks like the publishers are Warfrog and Valley Games. Yeah, so they republished it. It was originally just an in-house um, publication. Uh, and there, um, there, there's a lot of wood in the game. Uh, you know, there's a lot of the, the blocks and, and other pieces and stuff. So, um, of course, all the cards and stuff. So it's, uh, you know, it's a of decent value, I thought. I didn't really particularly have any trouble with the rules. Uh, it's... Like I said, it seems a little fiddly at first, but then you you quickly realize that those are very meaningful. I mean, that, I mean, I guess I didn't mention that too, but I guess real quick, the other thing I do like about the game is the distinct sort of win conditions behind the white, the red, and the blue. You know, factions we'll call it for simplicity, but there's just a different way that you kind of go about doing that, and that's what's neat about with more than. I guess with three, if everybody adheres to, well, I mean, but even that's cool. You can kind of go after one and kind of shift, and it's kind of, you can be kind of devious, to, you know, do I want to go after, he's kind of pushing white, do I want to put, get into that, or do I want to kind of do red, or look at my cards, or this or that. So that's liberté, or liberté, or whatever it is. Liberté. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I don't know if that's so how you I say just it, like but it sounds like names. set up some of the games that we're lusting after and uh, we've been calling this section game lust you gotta yep. say it just like that game lust oh absolutely so what what have you been lusting after <laughs> what have you been lusting after well i guess the problem for me with with games i lust after is once i'm committed i kind of stop i, I don't even subscribe to the games any longer because i know i don't want to follow all the threads of where's the game at you know when's it going to be published when's it finally going to be out and you know it, it just gets old um with so many games so but uh but that said clash of cultures which uh quite a lot of people probably come across it's a z-man game um, for me, uh, the appeal is it's definitely like a civ building civilization game. There's a little bit of economic stuff into it. And, uh, I mean, anybody who's been listening for a while knows that I'm still itching for like a, a better, uh, city building slash civ game. And so this one looks a little bit almost like Fantasy Flight's civilization, but with a more logical tech tree progression and, you know, it's just, really cool plastic bits. I mean, even nicer looking than the FFG stuff with little buildings and such. You know, it's by the designer who did... Oh, let me see if I can get this right. Uh, Merchants and Marauders. Oh, yes. cool. So another uh, Z-Man title of, of pretty well... Um, pretty well-received title. Uh, you know, I'm, I, it's a game still in my collection, so that, that says something. And I, I think I've even, yeah, I've went on record saying to date it's the best pirate game that I've played, the one I, I get played the most, or would, at least would like to get played the most. Um, and so hopefully Clash of Cultures can be the, that sort of Civ game similar uh, uh, to that, uh, in that same vein where there's a little more heft to it perhaps, but still light enough, quick enough. 
Uh, well, it says here on BGG anyway, it's a four-hour game. Uh, that's okay, I guess, if, if it's worth it. So I don't know, I just have have real high hopes for it. Uh, the rules were posted at one point, and I had read through them, and nothing in there really discouraged me from it. Uh, you know, again, if you go on BGG, all the posts are, you know, when's it going to be released, availability, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you know, not a whole lot of interest really there. But definitely a game I'm lusting after. So that's um, Clash of Cultures. Can't wait. In my game list, uh, at least right now, one of the, at least the bigger titles is a game called Revolver 2. That implies it's a sequel. It's a separate game. And the tin, yeah. and again, it's a tin <laughs> that the game comes in, which mm, I'm not a huge fan of the tins just because they're so hard to place on the shelf. Vertically, they seem to work fine for me. I mean, I know uh, lots of people complain about them, but yeah, don't stack them. Just and, put them vertical. Well, the one other complaint about tins is I tend to carry them around in my backpack. They yeah. tend to open yeah. all the time. True. It doesn't True. matter what it is. You have to True. tape it closed or rubber band or bungee or weld it closed or whatnot. Yeah. But uh, Revolver 2 is a new game. Uh, it is a separate storyline from the first game. The first game had uh, the um, the sheriff... Uh, McReady, McReady, going after the Colt mm-hmm. gang. This has uh, two different sets of uh, uh, characters, and it's set in a much different area of, of the West. I believe it was in Mexico. Yeah, but you know, see, uh, I'll, I'll go out on a limb here and say I'm disappointed in this title already. Well. Because I think we mentioned in our review of Revolver that this game originally was Aliens-themed. Yes, aliens, and Correct. you can also find a print-and-play Gears of War. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Gears of War, yeah. So so here you have a game that they were able to you know, re-theme uh, well, quite well, into Revolver from Aliens. And you know, then they're going to they're gonna make a second version of the game. And, and really, I mean, you know, thematically-wise, I mean, it's basically still Old West. I mean, why didn't they go... Uh, you know, certainly they couldn't get maybe the IPs to do Cures of War Aliens, but why didn't they make a space one, you know, Revolver um, Space Marine or something? Would they really <laughs> Just have to, like, revolvers? totally change it up. <laughs> well, I, you know, it's it's the game system now or something, you know, or um, I, I don't know. I just I feel like... Um, it's one of two things. Either they're they're like, oh yeah, we're totally doing that, but you know, we we gotta kind of, I don't, I don't want to say milk it in between, but you know, we're gonna go there slowly, right? We'll start in the old west, we'll work our way through the wars, you know, <laughs> through World War Two, you know, in the, in the modern day, and then you know, we'll kind of move into future, and I don't know, I, I just uh, that would have gotten me more excited. Now I'm still going to get it. I'm, I'm still a, very much a fan. I still got to pick up the expansions to the first one beforehand, but you know, I, I just hope it. I hope it feels different. The tactics and everything, and uh, the method of play, everything they mention, they say it does. But you know, how different is it going to feel? You know, I, I, I. So you know, I'm not really worried about it. I just like I said, I would have impressed me more if they just got really wild with it and did totally different theme. That would have been cooler, a little bit cooler. That would have been icing on on what's already going to be a great. So. Thing. Uh, the full name of the game is Revolver 2 Last Stand at Mel Paso. Uh, it is set uh, in Mexico with uh, General Mapache, Mapache, or however you say it. Manpache. Uh, 
the Man bad page. guys are led by Padre Esteban. So it's a similar type of game to the original Revolver, where you have the good guys and bad guys playing on opposing sides. The big thing here that they've kind of changed around is that they've got uh, a bunch of new elements to the game, like uh, you can uh, have uh, dynamite, and there's a... Oh, is is this the one with the minigame? I don't really... I don't, I don't think it's like a minigame. It's just you have different ways. Wait, there's a Gatling the... gun uh, that you can do in a mine. You can blow up a bridge instead of a train. And uh, there's there's dynamite, like powder kegs in the game. So there, there's different ways to... Yes, this is the game. This is the game. Um, so I take it back. <laughs> All right, a retheme would still have been cool. But no, this, this game has a mini game, like a stud poker mini game, um, which determines... Uh, it's actually right here in BGG. determines in which town the initial fights, firefights occur. So how how cool is that for like a start, you know, instead of it's like the, what was the game? I, th- I think it was a Battle Beyond Space where it was the, the starting player is the person to have most recently traveled through a nebula. I always like the creative ones, right? The creative start player rules. Uh, but in this one, you actually play a little mini game. Oh, yeah, a stud yeah. Poker mini game. Yeah, I and just then saw that. That I determines. I, I, missed, I totally missed that before. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, again, I, I just, there's always room for, to me to come up with something neat, you know, for the official way you could always spin the spinner or whatever, get the start player game or um, flip a coin or whatever, draw meeples. But, but it's always kind of cool. You know, it's, I think it's kind of like the, the little almost Easter egg now and becoming just to, you know, try to come up with something nobody else has and, and put it in there as the official way to determine who goes first. So I like it in this one. That sounds neat. I, I see if it, ends up being worth it or if nobody bothers <laughs> with the little mini game. I don't know. So. so a white goblin game and it's in the U S it's coming out through stronghold and it's a green tin. So you won't yes. get confused with revolver because revolver one, the expansions and the regular tin are all red. Yeah. And then, and that explains why the expansions were 1.1 and 1.2, which everybody's yeah, like, it's huh? 2.0. that's kind of weird. But, so, yep. So then these expansions will obviously have like a 2.1, 2.2, or, and, and so forth. So each, each one will have its own little mini expansions. Yep. Non-interchangeable, at, at, um, at least for these yes, first two. That is correct. So Yeah. I'd love to get aliens in, in there too, though. That, 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 I don't know. How, the Gatling gun may, uh, may not be quite as powerful against the alien yeah. queen. I don't know. You, you need some kind of robo suit or something to fight her, at least. <laughs> Okay, so that was Revolver 2. Right, that concludes episode number 21 of This Board Game Life. Hope you enjoyed the show. We've got our website at thisboardgamelife.com. You can check out all of our latest feeds. And to contact us, send an email to contact at thisboardgamelife with uh, any comments that you might have had on tonight's show. Yeah, also, as always, our voicemail is 754-444-TBGL, which is uh, 8245 there. Um, you can send us uh, feedback that way, too, or uh, post something up on our guild, and that would be uh, absolutely uh, excellent. If you have an idea or something you want talked about on the show, check our BGG blog. We uh, post all the uh, episode notes to that as well. And we've just recently created a new Facebook group. Uh, it's called This Board Game Life. Make sure to join it if you're up on Facebook. 
and a Twitter account was created. It's called T Board Game Life, all one word. And we're going to start uh, Twittering and Facebooking. Uh, don't forget to rate us on iTunes, and you can also check us out on Stitcher. Uh, my name is Rob. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll catch you all next week. This episode was recorded on September 19th, 2012. You've been listening to This Board Game Life. There is no antidote for board gaming. This is Jeff. I'll talk to you all next time.